awesome in this place. He's awesome wherever you are. Because he's a mighty God. 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 country but every day we need to set aside time to honor the one who gave his life for us because when they put him in the grave the grave couldn't hold him death could not hold him and he sits at the right hand of the father he sits at the right hand of the father and he intercedes on our behalf. Before we ever came to know him, he paid the price. And tonight, we thank you, Lord. We thank you. You have fought the fight for us. You've conquered the enemy on our behalf. And now we stand in the gap. We stand in the gap for those who don't know you. For those who've had a relationship but walked away. We stand in the gap tonight and we thank you. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you for their salvation. We may not see it yet, but we thank you by faith, by faith, for our loved ones coming to you. For our neighbors coming to you. For the co-worker coming to you. Lord, for those that we have planted a seed in coming to you. Lord, those that we're going to have a chance to plant the seed and share the gospel, we thank you they're coming to you. We're giving you praise ahead of time. You'll be awesome in their lives. Father, we thank you tonight for our bishop and Dr. Cheryl, for our leaders, our pastors, our shepherds, Once again, Lord, we ask a blessing upon them, upon their lives, and all that they do. Lord, as they leave the network, the ACM, we thank you for the vision you gave them that's allowed many of us to be covered. And we lift fellow pastors and co-workers around the globe, those in the network doing various ministries. We thank you, God, you're not bound to this place but all around, all around, all around your spirit is working. And we continue to lift Bermuda, Lord, an island that's been shut down. We continue to lift our pastor there. We ask you, Holy Spirit, that when the leadership says the island's open, we ask you to pour revival out upon that island like never seen before. We lift the fellow, the uh, IAC and the FRC chaplains before you tonight, trained to do the work outside the walls of the church, 
trained to come alongside the first responder. Bless them, Lord, in their assignments. The upcoming weekend, Father, we're praying right now. And through this week, we're going to pray for an outpouring of your spirit as Apostle C comes, and Sister C comes. Lord, as we gather for the week, for the Sunday service, we gather Monday to honor the Destiny graduate students. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to have your way next weekend. Prepare this place to receive that which you have. Prepare Apostle C, Lord, and his spirit to pour out that which you're going to give him. Open our ears to receive. Open our spirits to receive. And Lord, every person that will be in this place and everyone listening by live stream that day will be blessed and will be changed by the word. Father, we thank you. We thank you. And we praise you for what you're doing today and what you're going to do tomorrow and what you're going to do throughout the week. Tonight we give you all the glory. ask you to have your way in the remainder of the service. We honor that precious name. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen, amen, and amen. part of that back in the 90s late 90s but Gwen had the way down workshop we had it here at Evangel and she died last night in a plane crash so With it's just kind of weird son-in-law the pastor two church leaders her son-in-law and her husband so let's send our hands towards the cross and yes, let us pray for Gwen Shamble her last name is Lara Pray for their family. Amen. Our Christian sister. Father, we just thank you that, God, we can be assured that we know you and we have life eternal. Father, I thank you that Gwen and her family know you. I pray, God, that you would just touch the family that's alive Bless them, heal them, restore them. This is a very hard thing, especially her daughter, Lord. She lost her mother, and she lost a stepdad, and she lost her husband. And so, God, we just ask now that you would touch every person involved, every family member that has to grieve. Be with them. Be at the Holy Spirit of comfort and restoration and peace. And Father, we thank you for a life and that more abundantly in Jesus' name. And Father, we surround that church family. They lost their pastor and members and leaders. Father, comfort those that mourn. Be with the people of that house and the loved ones, Lord. Send your angels of comfort and your Holy Spirit, the paraclete. Come alongside of them and be with them at this time. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, we have a couple of things we just want to share before we begin the word tonight as they prepare the clip for Memorial Day. Um, if anybody's interested in becoming a member, or do you have any visitors tonight? Anyone? Raise your hand if not. All visitors, uh, direct them over here. Would you stand, Pastors Dr. Scott and Pastor Pam? Amen. Mullen. Amen. They're here to uh, greet our visitors and to join members to the church. Amen. See them at the end of any service. They're always here Sunday morning and Sunday night. And uh, I cannot say enough, but be here next Sunday. I know this place will be a little more crowded than it is now. You've never heard Candace Tracy come expecting. Don't miss the services. If normally you're a Sunday morning attendee only, I'd encourage you to hit both services next week, Sunday morning and Sunday night. He will inspire your faith and take you to another level in God. He has a way of just moving you. Amen. And uh, he's my spiritual father and overseer of this church, overseer of all the chaplains, overseer of all the Bible schools, overseer of my life and who I give account to. We talk every couple of weeks, 10 days, but uh, I haven't seen him in person since 2019. 
because of the pandemic last year. He comes every year once or twice. So this is the highlight. I want to encourage you to make the services, be here. And uh, Sunday night, there'll be a reception for all EACM and chaplains upstairs after the service. Just be here. Don't miss next week, Sunday morning and Sunday night. I promise you, God, I'm here blessed and encouraged and stirred. Amen. Uh, because it's my time with my bishop, if there's any emergencies starting Friday morning, we'll be available up to Thursday, me and Cheryl. Starting Friday morning, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, he leaves Wednesday. So from Friday to Wednesday, if there's an emergency situation, call the office, ask for any of my staff. Amen. Chaplain L'Oreal, Karen works there, Reverend Karen, and, so, and Colonel Jean, or Dr. Scott, or Pam, or Simon and Trish. We will not be available from Friday to Wednesday morning. He leaves Tuesday evening. That's my time with him. Can I have some time with my bishop? Amen? So uh, if there's an emergency situation, we do have people that will pray for you, that will lift you, that will encourage you, that will talk with you, that will pray with you. But those four days or five days, I ask, take emergencies to my staff or to Pastor Simon and Trish. Amen? And the staff that's here, Dr. Scott and Pastor Pam. Amen. And uh, you've been so gracious last week. We got a lot done. You know, we have 550 chaplains. Every one of them got called. Everybody in the church got a call. Now we have to call the EACM. So I need some help just Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. If anybody can give any help, can come in, either on the outside maintenance of the building, we're going to pull some weeds and sweep some sidewalks, or we're going to make some phone calls. If you, so Many of you were gracious last week, and some of you even volunteered again this week. But if you can make it Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday, and you didn't see me this morning, and you can be available for a few hours to help out, see me after church. I'd just like to get your name and number and when you will be here, and make sure we have some work for you to do. Everybody say amen. We're calling everybody and inviting them out. And naturally, when we call them, we always ask if they need prayer. So we make ourselves available to pray. We'd love to have you. Amen. Here, Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday, see me after church. Dr. Cheryl. Dr. Cheryl. you have something you want to announce? You've always got something to say. Come on up here. My wife always has something to say. Can you pray? Yes. Okay. Father, thank you, thank you, thank you for another day of life. Thank you that we woke up this morning and can work in your kingdom. Father, we ask tonight that as we speak this word, that hearts are touched, lives changed by the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord. We ask you, Holy Ghost, to rest in this place. Rest in our lives. We thank you tonight that we will get this word deep in our hearts. That our faith will be increased. And Father, we just thank you. We thank you for your goodness, your mercy, your grace, your forgiveness, your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I have a clip that's different than this morning. We want to remember that tomorrow is a special day. We call it Memorial Day of the soldiers. And there's, you'll hear three or four presidents on this short clip. So we're going to watch the clip and then we're going to pray. I'm going to ask Chaplain L'Oreal to come as we watch and then pray. Amen? Would you run the clip, please? Fallen soldier, sailor, airman, and marine. I am the one that held the line. Sometimes I volunteered 
Sometimes I went because I was told to go. As technology advanced, I used night vision goggles and global positioning systems and drones and lasers and thermal optics. But it was still me, a human being that did the work. It was me that patrolled up the mountains or across the desert or through the streets. It was me that suffered in the merciless heat and the bitter cold. It was me that went out night after night to confront our nation's enemies and confront evil face to face. It was me. Remember me. I was a warrior. But also remember that I was not only a warrior. I was not just a soldier, sailor, airman, or marine. That I was a son, a brother, a father. I was a daughter, a sister, a mother. I was a person, like you, a real person with hopes and dreams for the future. I, the soldier, sailor, airman or marine I stood my ground and sacrificed my life my future my hopes my dreams I sacrificed everything there was no cover for you. and no escape the soldier wearing this the helmet Memorial camera Day, went down remember me the fallen warrior and remember me not for my sake but for yours remember what I sacrificed so you can truly appreciate the incredible treasures you have. Life. Liberty. The pursuit of happiness. You have the joys of life, the joys that I gave up so that you can relish them. Remember them always. And make every day Memorial Day. Amen. Let's honor the fallen. Let's remember them, their families that are still alive. They have to carry on. Chaplain? Father, in the name of Jesus, we just want to thank you, Father. Father, we thank you, Lord God, that we have the opportunity to walk and live in the land of freedom. Father, we thank you, Lord God, that we have the freedom to praise you, that we have freedom to worship you, that we have freedom to pray and talk to you, that we have freedom to witness, Lord God, that we have freedom, Lord God, to exercise and practice our faith. So, Father, we thank you for these soldiers, these, these army men, military, Lord God, that you've placed, Lord God, in this ram, Lord God, to fight to protect this country, Lord God. Father, we thank you for them, Lord God. And, Father, we ask, Lord God, that you strengthen them, Lord God, that you give them your supernatural power, your supernatural strength, Lord God, that you give them courage, Lord God. Father, that you comfort them, Lord God, and that you give them your peace, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. Father, we ask that you protect each and every one of them, Lord God, as they fight, Lord God. And, Father, that you would be with them, that you would lead them, that you would instruct them, Lord God, that you would even give them strategies, Lord God. And, Father, we even pray for the military that don't, that don't who don't know you in the military. Father, we pray, Father, even for their souls, Lord God, and we lift them up, Lord God. And Father, we ask that you draw them, that they will come to know you, Lord God, as your personal Lord and Savior. And Father, we even pray, Lord God, even for their families, Lord God. Father, as they uh, sacrifice their lives, Father, that you look after their families, Lord God. Father, that you provide for them, that they will lack for nothing, Lord God. And Father, that you will comfort their wives, their husbands, Lord God. Comfort their children, Lord God in the name of Jesus. And Father, even if those families that have lost mothers or fathers or loved ones, Father, in the war, Father, I even pray for them, Lord God. Father, you said that you would be a father to the fatherless, a mother to the motherless, Lord God. And Father, you would be that husband, Father, or that wife that lost, Lord God, their um, spouse. So, Father, we even pray, Father, that you will comfort them, Lord God. Father, that you will provide for them. And, Father, we thank you that you have not forgotten them, Lord God. And so, Father, we just thank you, Father, for this day, Lord God, and we just honor you, Lord God. And, Father, we thank you, Father, um, for this land of freedom. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. Father, tonight, as we look at the subject of faith and unbelief, may we shut out all unbelief and walk by faith and not by sight. Help us to grasp some truths tonight. Refresh former truths we've learned. And reestablish things that we've heard before. Bless the word tonight. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I want to talk to you tonight about faith. Biblical faith. Not faith in the medicine that you take. Not faith that when you go out there, you put your key to the car, you'll know it'll start. Most of us, we know. Not faith in when you sit in that pew, that it will hold you up and you'll not fall to the ground in a chair. See, you operate in faith all day long. I'm talking about biblical faith. Not hope, but biblical faith. Faith has to do with confession and the heart. Where hope deals with the mind. Hope is very important. I don't mean to neglect hope. But hope comes from the intellect. Faith comes from the heart. For with the con- Confession of the mouth, Romans chapter 10, thou shalt believe in thy heart that God is raised from the dead, thou shalt be saved. By the confession of your heart and believing in your heart, thou shalt be saved. Let's look at the first scripture tonight. Where faith is action. Mark 9. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. Everybody say Amen. And immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Hmm. Say, I believe. believe. Help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. Sometimes I have to pray that way or ask God that way. Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Anybody ever pray that prayer or just me? Because you want to have a positive confession. I believe, but help my unbelief. Faith goes beyond the senses and operates in the spiritual realm. Let's look at Hebrews 11, chapter 1. A familiar passage of scripture in the Good News Translation. To have faith is to be sure of the things we hope for. To be certain of the things we cannot see. Jesus always looked beyond the five senses. And so the challenge to us is that we have to get a new perspective. Look at your neighbor and say, you got to get a new mindset. New mindset. See, we operate a lot of times in our five senses. A lot of what we do, believe, everything is based on those five senses. But Jesus went way beyond the five senses because he walked in the spirit. How many of you will operate beyond the five senses to some of those things Bishop said we automatically do? When you go to sit down in a chair You don't test the chair to see, okay, is it sturdy? This going to hold me. You just plop down in it, especially if it's in your house. Because you go beyond your senses. You just know that what you're going to do, it's going to be okay. You believe when you go to the pharmacy that that pharmacist is going to give you the right script. You just know, you hope And the result is your faith. But what happens 
when we have to go beyond the natural. See, we're used to our five senses. Hear, smell, taste, feel, touch. And we base a lot of stuff on that. But Jesus said, let's go beyond that. Let's go beyond the natural. If you really want to live this life, you got to go beyond the natural. If you want to live it doing what he says and accomplishing what he says. And the, the reality is this. Fear is an enemy. Fear and unbelief. They work together. They're like twin sisters. Well, twin brothers. They work together. And they are your enemy. Look at your neighbor and say, fear and unbelief are your enemy. So when you are operating in fear, guess what? That fear is highlighting whatever is lacking in you. If you're lacking self-worth, that fear is going to monopolize on your low self-worth and lack of self-esteem. If you are uncertain about yourself, you don't think you're worth anything, guess what? Fear is going to get in there and monopolize on that. If you fear, and this ought to not be, but so many Christians fear death. If you fear death, guess what? It's going to get monopolized. On. So when a pandemic hits, whoo, everybody's walking around in fear. It's time for a fresh mindset. Go beyond those five senses. Go beyond the natural. God, yeah, it's a pandemic. But guess what, God? It's out of my hands and into yours. Because I can't do nothing about it except what you show me to do. That's the right things to do. How many of you see what I'm saying tonight? Faith goes beyond. See, the one thing about fear, the one thing about unbelief, those circumstances that arise is you can stand up and immediately shout, You're temporary. You got to begin to look at your circumstances. And when you feel that trepidation rise up in you, when you feel that fear or that uh, unbelief rising up, well, I don't know, that's when you got to shout. You're temporary. Get out of here. Let's say it. Say, you're temporary. See, Jesus is forever. But that fear. And that lack of faith and that unbelief. Where is that coming from? Nothing but hell. <laughs> Sometimes you just got to look at that stuff, those circumstances, and say, not today, devil. Go back to hell where you came from. Fear is a weak point And is subject to the natural world. Therefore, it can change. Look at Luke 8. 53, 54. These are familiar passages of verses. We're just picking some principles out of here. And they laughed him to scorn. They laughed at who? Jesus. Jesus. Knowing that she was dead. See, they're operating in the natural. And he put them all out. And took her by the hand. And called, saying, Maid, arise. What was happening here? Jesus went in to pray over the girl, and they said, this is ridiculous. She's dead. No, no. How many of you have had situations in your life where people are looking at you going, forget about praying for that. They're dead. That situation is dead. That relationship is dead. That kid you're praying for, that whole thing is dead. He's never going to change. He's an addict. He'll always be an addict. He's an alcoholic. He'll always be an alcoholic. He's never going to change. Go back up here to the other verses that are part of here. Starting with verse 51, 52, 53, 54, and 55. We'll review this verse again. Starting with verse 51. And when he came into the house, 
He suffered no man to go in except Peter, James, and John. He took the inner three. And the father and the mother of the maiden. And all wept and bewailed her. But he said, weep not. She's not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn, knowing that she was dead. And he put them all out. And took her by the hand and called, saying, Maid, arise. And her spirit came again. And she arose straightway. And he commanded to give her meat. Who laughed him to scorn? Yeah. The people that were looking with their natural eyes. That's right. Laugh God. Probably including her mom and dad. Hello. He had to put out all. He had to put it all out of there. Same thing happened with the widow, the Shunammite widow. Right? The prophet said, you go get as many jars as can be filled and bring them in. And the Bible says that people were all gathering around going, what's she going to do with all these jars? And what happened was at some point, the prophet says, shut the door. In other words, get all the doubt and unbelief and the fear out. And that's what Jesus did. He said, shut them out. Get out this fear and all this doubt and unbelief. Sometimes you got to shut out the people in your life that are full of doubt and fear and unbelief. They just want to rain on your parade and hear you believing God. And you got to say, get out, get out, get out, get out. Make sense? Jesus shut them out. He said, get out. He had to shut out unbelief. He had to shut out fear. So the question to us, of course, tonight is how do you get rid of all the unbelief? How do you shut it out? Let's look at that. First of all, number one, recognize the connection with fear and unbelief. Recognize it. After tonight, you got no excuse. I love you, my live stream family. Get this tonight. Recognize how unbelief and fear are connected. Because where one is, the other is right there waiting to operate. They are enemies. They are working against us. Well, I, I couldn't help my fear, but it helped me to get, get this situation right. No, fear never helps you except one type of fear. And that fear we need in this whole country more. The fear of God. There's no fear of God in our country. There needs to be a fear of God. But not fear of man. Not fear of situations and circumstances. You know what some alcoholics, drug addicts, you know what they need? You know what our politicians need? Yes. Let me tell you something. Give you a scripture you all know. What our politicians need is the fear of God. Why? That's the beginning of wisdom. All right. If they'll get a fear of God, they'll get wisdom. That's right. So when I pray for my political leaders, I pray for the fear of God to enter them. That they'll have wisdom to operate this country. They'll have wisdom to pass laws. They'll have wisdom to pass judicial constitutional laws. That the fear of God would come upon them. Then they'll operate in wisdom. That's Bible. I've prayed for people that are caught up in sins that the fear of God would get a hold of them. Amen? Sometimes I've prayed for people to give them, God give them divine revelation of hell. Yes. Give them a divine revelation of hell. Amen? You know, uh, when I was a little girl, my grandmother... 
She said, you know, she, she was pretty old, especially for a little five-year-old. But when she was ready to pass on, she looked at me as I was just sitting by her bed. And she says, she used to call me Sherry. And she says, Sherry, you better be a good girl. Because once I go home to be with Jesus, I'm going to come back and pull your toes if you don't behave. When you're sleeping, I'm going to pull on your little toes. That just freaked me out. So that's what happens at night. It's your grandmother. Now I know. Amen. But that's what I pray for people that I want to get closer to God when they don't fear God. I say, God, get their toes at night in their sleep. Shake them up in their sleep. Visit them, God, in their sleep. Man, they wake up from one of those dreams, it's going to rattle their whole life. We need that fear. So, number one, recognize that connection between fear and unbelief. Secondly, number two, doubt the circumstances you're in. Don't doubt God. Doubt those circumstances. We're to trust God. But unbelief, when you start to doubt God, that's where the unbelief starts getting in. Unbelief gets in when you start saying, well, you know, maybe God ain't going to do nothing here. Maybe God's, you know, not, maybe I'm, something's wrong here. No, doubt the circumstance, not God. We get messed up. We immediately lose our faith in a situation. No, lose the circumstance. Say enough is enough and go to war. And if you don't know what to pray, pray in tongues at the top of your lungs. Run around your house. Run around your backyard. Run around your front yard. Praying in tongues. People say, well, what are people going to think? Ask me if I care. It's my property. I can do whatever I want. How many of you hear me tonight? We got to get a fresh mindset. Don't doubt God. God's for you. How much of your fear is based on experience with the five senses? Circumstances. Uncertain, but they may change. That's the thing. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 17 and 18 in the NLT version. For our present troubles are small. They won't last very long. Whoa, 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 whoa. My present fears, my present troubles, my present problems, my present situation at home, my present situation at work, my present thing that I'm going through, the present fire that I'm in, the persecution that I'm in, is small. And it won't last very long. What do we say? It's temporary. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. Next verse. So we don't look at the troubles we see now. Rather fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone. But the things we can't see will last forever. So that third point is take notice of your senses. Take notice because everything about your senses can change. But those things are temporary. You know, it's interesting. In 2 Corinthians 4, 17, Paul calls them light afflictions. Don't you love it? Light afflictions. He was jailed, shipwrecked, beaten. But he called them light afflictions. Why? Because he knew down the road, the long term, they were going to show God's glory that would last forever. Think about stuff you've been through that was really hard that you thought you'd never come out of. And look at you today, and you're still standing. And look at 
the glory God got out of it. It's kind of like, it reminded me when I was studying this childbirth. You go through all this pain, and it's like hours and hours, and yet afterward, it's short. It's a light affliction because you're holding that baby, and you don't even remember nothing. All you know is you have this beautiful baby. And people would say to me, you know, did, did you have a long labor? Yeah, I guess so. I, I don't know. I just know she's beautiful. That's how we got to begin to see our walk with God. Have you gone through a lot? Yeah. But man, those were light afflictions because look at what God did. All right, look at this next one. Shut down lies. Shut down the lies of the enemy. Listen, fear and unbelief, they will cloud and mud up your perception. You're going through something and you start to get all that fear and all that unbelief. And before long, that enemy seeps in. And then before long, you're believing all the lies. Oh, now you're finished. Oh, man, you're going down. Oh, God ain't in this. Oh, you're going to just perish. And before long, if you don't check that thing and yell and scream at that enemy, you're believing every lie. Does that make sense? You might even physically... How many of you have even seen this in your life? You start to react to something that is not true. <laughs> you just start to react instead of respond. And you start, you know, you're believing all the lies. So you're looking at people and you're saying, oh, they think that and they said this. And it's not even true <laughs> because the enemy's gotten in there. Okay, number five. Consider the unseen. Paul looked at things that were not seen. He said in there, think about things that are unseen. Those are the things that last forever. Look at 2 Corinthians 4.18. All right, look at this again. We don't look at troubles we see now. Rather, fix your gaze on that which is not seen. Because the things you see now will soon be gone. Mm -hmm. But things you can't see, things like eternal life, things like Jesus in the spirit realm, things like uh, where you're headed for eternity, you can't see that, but that lasts forever. Isn't that true? And then the enemy gets in there. Well... How do you know you're saved? I mean, this devil don't quit, right? That's when you just got to shout, Jesus, help! And you got to look at that thing in your life and say, you are temporary. You're out of here. Get out. And if you have to, what do you say? Lord, I believe. Yep. Say, Lord, I believe. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Let the weak say they are strong. Let the poor say they are rich. That's right. She's not dead, Jesus said. She's just what? Sleeping. Sleepy. Was he a liar? No. Or was there a principle there that he was saying? Get the unbelief out. Get that fear and unbelief out. Amen. And walk and stand. In faith, believe put out the game slayers. You see, this is really important. If how many of you are truly born again? Amen. Truly born again, then fear is not a part of who you are. Wow. Fear isn't part of your makeup. So why did we see so much fear? You know, I had a pastor say to me the one day that was, you know, he just stopped by to visit, and he said to me, aren't you afraid? I said, of what? 
He said, well, what if you catch it and you die? Then I get to go to be with Jesus. Hallelujah. I mean, what are we fearing, gang? It's not part of us. It has no place in us. We're born again. Now, if I didn't know Jesus, I'd be petrified. Fear is no part of who you are. Fear is not your normal. Say that. Fear, Fear. and unbelief Unbelief. is not my normal. This life is temporary. See, we got to get that from here in our head to our heart. And over the years, as you exercise that faith muscle, the fears get less and less and less and less. Even the great apostle Paul battled with fear. He said, I have fears within and without. That's a great apostle Paul, author of 12 or 13 books in the New Testament. If he had fear, do you think you might have fear once in a while? Mm -hmm. But as you go, like Cheryl said, the more you walk with God, the more faith you operate in. It doesn't have part of your demeanor. Amen? You operate in a realm that you walk by faith. Hope is important, but you, you operate by faith in the heart. For it's in the heart faith comes from. It's action in the heart. Amen? Hope is good. It's part of it, but it's in the mind. Amen? Look at Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Whoa, 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 whoa. Well, if I have unbelief, then I have a what? Evil heart. If I have unbelief, honey, I, 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 what about the car payment this month? I, I don't know. You think God will come through? Do you think he will? You think he made the house payment this month? You think, I, 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 you think so? What do you think? I don't know. Uh, I, I hope so. I believe so. I, I. And it Lord, ain't based on your job and your paycheck either. Hello. See, I know what some of us think. Well, I know it's coming because I work and I get a paycheck and it's in the bank. No, it's because God has made provision. Deuteronomy 8.18, get that in your mind. He gives you the power to get wealth. So it's not based on your paycheck. It's based on who you belong to. See, and the more we operate in that unbelief, we start getting further and further away from God. And the more we buy into the lies of the enemy, we get further and further away from God. And before long, we're so far away from God, we don't even know our name. (laughs) Right? We don't even know who we are anymore. We're born again. Fear is not a part of us. We're alive, alive in the spirit of God. We have lives that have become alive to Jesus Christ. See, that's the problem right there. Church is full of people that are lifeless. And you have to wonder, are they born again? Because there's no passion for God. There's no hunger. There's no wanting more of Jesus. It's just get up, go to work, come home, do my thing, go to bed, get up, go to work, come home. Oh, tomorrow's Sunday, get up, go to church, come home, eat lunch. Sick. (laughs) If I had to live like that, forget it. I want to get up in the morning and say, good morning, Jesus. What's on the docket for today? And sometimes I'm not so cheery. Good morning, Jesus. What do we got to get done today? Right? But there's a hunger. God, I can't wait to see what you're going to do in this and in this. And God, if you set up this appointment, then you got to plan and talk to him all day long. Are you with me? Say, I'm born again. Fear has no place. Unbelief has no place. That's not my normal. 
Look at Numbers 13, and we're looking at verse 30 to 33. Look at this. But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once to take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. Faith. Ah, but the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They're stronger than we are. Sight. So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. The words of their mouth, bad. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. Lack of faith of what God said to do. Go conquer the land. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. And that's what they thought, too. Wow. And, and God calls that a bad report, an evil report. How many of you would want to hear God call your reports evil? Not me. I'd be on my face shaking in my boots going, please, God, what do I got to do to change this? evil report. See, they were sent out to survey and all they could see in all that promised land that God had directed them to and described to them, look at what all they saw. The giants. Give me a break. Did you see greenery? Did you see a blue sky? Did you see mountains and hills? No, all they could see were the giants. Evil report. What a mess, except for Joshua and Caleb. They were the only two that had enough sense to say, okay, if God said we can do this, we're going to shut out the unbelief. We're going to shut out all fear. We're going in and doing this. How many of you ever been there? God said you could do it. Everybody around you said you can't. So, like, I'll never forget my baby girl. She's 30 to 31 now. Many of you know Breezy. She grew up with a uh, kidney problem, a kidney defect. So, you know, uh, we had to go in and have surgery done. And so I was the one pretty much meeting with the doctor, and then He'd sit me and Bishop down together, but for the most part, I had to take her to the appointments and blah, blah, blah. So she was only about three or four years old, and um, so we had scheduled, you know, surgery. And so at that time, we, we announced to the church, we just asked for prayer for her as she was going through this surgery. So I was, you know, I believe Bishop and I prayed. We knew this was God, and, you know, in the end, it all worked. But at that point, I'll never forget, a woman in the congregation sent me a letter. Five pages. What kind of mother are you? You profess to be a Christian, and you profess to believe in healing, and you're letting your kid go under the knife? I'm leaving this church because I cannot believe you would allow a doctor to cut into her. I mean, this letter went on and on. So I read it, and I left it on my desk. And I just prayed, and I said, you know what, God? This is what I got to know I heard from you. So, you know, bless her. You know, I wanted to go strangle her, but praise the Lord. So somebody had seen it on my desk, one of the office people at that time. And she picked it up, and she read it. And she just started to sob. She goes, aren't you going to do something? I said, well, what do you want me to do? She kill her, said, well, kill her, kill her. <laughs> she says, I would not put up with that. And I said, put up with what? You know, unless she comes to talk to me, I'm not going to do that. And so I just ignored her, you know. And so this, this office person was like, well, maybe I should go talk to her. And I said, I don't think that's a great idea. As I'm sure she's convinced in what she's written. And I had to just walk that out. 
And I had to see that woman. She didn't leave. But at that time, I had to see this woman in church. And finally, about three weeks after Bree's surgery, everything came out perfect. She came up to me. And she just started to weep. And she just took my hands and she said, I am so sorry. And I said, it's okay. She says, no. She said, you never even, you didn't hurt, hate me or judge me or shun me. She says, I would have if I were you. I said, yeah, but I know what God showed me. I believed God. I didn't care about you. I believed God. And Bishop believed God. And that's all that mattered. And so God used it to strengthen our faith. How many of you hear what I'm saying? You got to sometimes... When you know that God said, that God said, that God said, you can't, you got to shut out the naysayers. Get away from me. God bless you, love you, release you way, way, way out there. Does that make sense? I was getting ready. We're having, Kenneth Tracy was in town and we're having a Saturday conference and I was getting ready. We had another speaker that evening, but God said to me to have an altar call for physical healing. Um, so after worship, I had an altar call for physical healing. They lined up across the platform. There was maybe four or five speakers in for the weekend. I asked them to pray, and I'm going down the line, and there's my daughter, Bree, and there's a woman right next to her that walked up on a walker. And as I'm praying through the line, they're falling out under the Spirit. I pray for this woman. And I feel the power of God go through me into her. I take her walker and I throw it up on the stage. And she's running around completely healed. The next person in line is my daughter. I lay hands on her and three months later she went for surgery. See, now, I don't have answers to that. I know God heals. I know God heals instantly. I know he heals through medication. I know he heals through time. I know he heals instantly. But how can two of them, side by side, an instant true miracle threw the walker up on the stage in pain, no pain and my daughter right next to her standing shoulder to shoulder and my daughter has to go to surgery. I laid hands on my own daughter. One got healed, one didn't. My job is to pray for the sick and to believe God and have faith and leave the answers to him. Come on now. Amen. And she did get healed. Yes, she through did. Through surgery. And through that surgery. was okay. How many of you know God uses medicine and doctors and nurses and all that good stuff? I thank God. I want to close with a clip, but I want to close with a little story that some of you are part of. I want to bring this hope in comparison to faith and bring it together. Uh, Pastors Rose and Holger were there and... Uh, I don't know any, how many others were here, here back then. Maybe, Cindy, you were. We were on Fraser Road. We had a little church there. And um, we were looking for another building. And um, we had found a church. My people wanted a church. They found one over here right behind White Castle. There's a street there. It's called the Detroit Christian Church. So my people wanted a bigger church and better. And uh, so my people went out. They marched around the building seven times. They fasted. They prayed. They had faith. They stood. They took their banners and their flags. And that was our property. They were possessing the property. But I let them go. And it was, they had hope. But it, it wasn't necessarily a God thing. And, um, but I let them go because they were exuberant about getting a building. And they had the faith and they... Marched around it seven times. I did it for like three or four days in a row. And that was our building, you know. Uh, I made an offer and it got turned down. So I didn't say anything. So Candace Tracy, which you will see here next week, uh, says, uh, comes in, he prophesies. We were on Fraser Road. I had bought the building from the Assemblies of God Church. And that former pastor became my assistant until he died, went home to be with the Lord. He came with me at, he was 77. He died at 87. He was with me for 10 years. A fiery man of God, just loved the Lord. Pastor Lawrence Gentry. Yeah. 
And um, we were sitting in the building and Kenneth Tracy came and he gave me a word. He says, this building cannot contain your vision of what you have to do. And now listen to me. He says, you're too comfortable where you're at. What? I was on radio. We were on all five Christian radio stations, Detroit area, AM, and one FM, and five, I think five AM stations at the time. We were on all five. But my building was paid off. It was all remodeled. It was all fixed up. I was on two TV stations at the time in the Detroit metro area. All the bills were paid. He said, you're too comfortable. I think I've arrived. I'm in heaven. Amen. The bills are all paid. Are you listening to me? My faith wasn't being used. My faith wasn't being stretched. He says, go find a bigger building. This isn't big enough. I look around, this building, that building. Too small. Stay within three, three and a half miles. I says, why, Dad? He says, because your people's faith, some people's faith can't go beyond three, three and a half miles. They won't drive five miles extra to go to church. You'll lose some. Stay within three, three and a half miles. So I'm looking around, find this building, that building. Can't find them, anything, you know. I says, he says, do you see anything? I said, there's this old Baptist church. They want $1.2 million for it. I says, that's way, way too big. Says, Let's look at it. Now, I got about 30 people, and that includes children. Maybe 28. So he comes walking down here, right on this aisle, walking through. Now, this place got 10 bathrooms. It's got almost 40,000 square feet. A lot of you don't know, but about 18 churches had service today here in the building. We rent parts of the building now. We got a full gymnasium. No grandstands, but a gymnasium. You know, 25 classrooms, office space. Beautiful sanctuary. We took some pews out in front because Baptists don't fall backwards. Everybody say amen. And uh, he walks down there, gets his suspenders going. He says, we're going to buy this. Now you understand, when my spiritual father says, this, we're going to buy this, what that means. He ain't coming up with five cents. <laughs> I'm about to get stretched my people are about to get stretched. He'll put an offering in. But, you know, um, and I saw these people, we gathered together and they wanted $1.2 million for the building. The time we got around to make an offer, they wanted a million dollars for it. So I, I felt the Holy Spirit said, make them an offer of 100000 cash. Naturally, they laughed at me. I made 27 offers on this building. They made 19 counter offers, the Baptist Church. We bought the building. It didn't look like this. It was beat, run down. The 10 bathrooms, only one and a half function out of 10. The rest of them were just shut down. They were old, decrepit. Toilets were leaking, sinks were broken. They'd shut them down. The basement was inhabitable. They called it the dungeon. It was so dingy down there. And he says, all you're going to do is operate in the sanctuary part. You know, we busted this center down the center. We reposted all these pews. We painted all this wall. We painted the ceiling. You know, we did a lot of work in this building. And um, so back and forth for 10 months. And we bought the building and the parking lot across the street. 40,000 square feet, 10 bathrooms, gymnasium, office space, sanctuary. At the time, Baptist had it with pews up here and pews in the front. It set over 900 people, 1,000 people with chairs. We only paid $299,752. Give the Lord a clap offer. Amen. That's a miracle. Now, under $300,000, that's a miracle. To get a billion sold for a million two, or even for a million, for less than $300,000? You can't build a gym today for $300,000. You think my faith wasn't stretched? When you got to give a man, offer a man $100,000 in writing? And he wants a million dollars? I thought he was going to kick me out of his office, but thank God he didn't. Everybody say amen. <laughs> Nobody made an offer on the building for almost seven years. Sat vacant for seven years. Amen? 
We were only ones that ever made an offer. And then we bought the building and moved down. Seven years God kept the building after he put it up for sale. And we shouted and we danced and we clapped and we did. I watched him on a telephone on his way to the Philippines. He was going to the Philippines to speak to a million point two people and prophesy, preach to the president of the Philippines at the time. And on the phone at the airport, among 27 or 28 people, and a lot of those were teenagers, he raised $100,000 on the telephone. On a phone, from the airport, waiting to get on a plane. We were on our way. And the first miracle is we bought a building for that kind of money. It was an absolute miracle. The second miracle is the day we moved in, the first day we had services here, it was paid off. Come on now, paid off. Some of these people you don't know, but I'll just mention their names in honor because they're from heaven now. Dr. P.L. Pearson of NC3 Christian Center sold $10,000. He's at Cleveland, the convalescing home. Some of you know Barbara Yoder, her husband, Paul and Barbara sold 5000 Several pastors sold $1,000, Robert Joyce. And, and uh, several of them sold $1,000. They said, well, call Dr. Piscopo. He'll crack jokes and he'll prophesy and raise you an offering. So I got invited to a lot of pastors' appreciation, a lot of pastors' banquets. So I had sown this in many lives. And my bishop had sown in many lives, raising offerings. So it was my time to receive. So I operated by faith. We moved in here. We raised the money. And we shouted. And we, it didn't look like this. It was run down. We shouted. We danced. We glorified. Because the day I moved in, I had zero mortgage. Zero mortgage. No pressure to raise money. No pressure. Now, we raised money for four years. Every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, I was raising money to remodel the place. Yeah, we paid 300000 but we put over 700000 into the building. In four years, we took this place apart, one room at a time. And I finished my room and my offices last. Why would you do that? I wasn't about to have my youth pastor, my children's pastor, or my musician say, look at his office, it's all fixed up, look at mine. I did everybody's office first. Dr. Tom Ray's music department, the children's ministry's office, my youth office, the youth sanctuary, all those were fixed first. The last office we remodeled was mine. Amen. God is a God. Don't be moved by sight because I tell you, my knees were wobbling to buy a building with 28, 29 people of this size with the enormous, with what we had. I about said, oh my God, how are we going to do this? How are we going to do this? Can you imagine sitting here with 28 people? Less than we have tonight. And you own this building? Don't ask me how, but we made it through. We raised the money. We paid it off. And God did a miracle. Give the God a clap offer. Amen. We move not by sight, but by faith and by the spoken word of God. When God speaks to us, we move. I thank God for my co-partner here that stood beside me and believed with me and had faith. That's all. Let's show this tape. Walk by faith. I'm, I'm done. <laughs>